man, it's been like a week and a half since we recorded something. So let's try to get back in the groove. <laughs> Is this going to pick up the... Should be okay. Okay. But we'll see. Uh, I'll probably pick up my squeaks on my chair, though. Probably. Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And we are discussing chapter three of Royal Assassin, Renewing Ties. That sounds like a marriage thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Renewing your vows. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning here, we have a, a little intro blurb talking about Buckkeep's knowledge on the Elderlings and King Wisdom's quest for them. I guess they only have one old scroll that is very uh, moth-eaten mm-hmm. and doesn't have a lot of knowledge. Um, or if there was knowledge, it was taken with time. Yeah, exactly. But uh, we know that King Wisdom had the same issues that they're having right now. Uh, ships raiding the coast mercilessly, and they needed a way out, basically, and they needed allies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tatter... Uh, Tatters hint that he rode off toward the Mountain Kingdom. We don't know why he suspected that way would lead him to the home of the mythical elderlings. But, uh, I mean, we do. Because <laughs> right. that's, you know, the way it is. But, mm-hmm. yeah, there's the, there's only small scraps of knowledge in this scroll here. And right. it's, you know, he went towards the Mountain Kingdom. Uh, there are raiders along his coast, so he needed to leave to find allies. Uh, the final stages of his, his journey and his encounter with the Elderlings were richly illustrated, but the illustrations were some of the part that were eaten most heavily, probably because mm-hmm. of the dyes that they used. So right. all of those are kind of blurred and, and stuff, so they don't have any knowledge about that. But there's small scraps of words in between some of these, um, such as that the elderlings descended like storms or like tidal waves and like vengeance gone gold and wrath embodied in flesh of stone to drive the raiders away from our shores. Legends also tell that they swore to wisdom that if ever the six duchies had need of their aid, they would rise again to our defense. And obviously, you know, we know what they mean by the elderlings. Right. Although, I guess, did we ever decide or come up with a common thread of knowledge that we knew if actual elderlings were there to help guide him carve a stone dragon, or if it was just... I don't know if we ever decided. I think it's hard to tell. Most likely, there weren't any surviving elderlings to help. Right. Um they probably knew a lot more because they had the more knowledge of how to use the skill back then. And they probably had coteries going regularly enough to know. Um, Less time had passed in general. Right. And I'm sure some of the stones, I think they talk about it in a different book, um, that some of the stones were created by actual elderlings. So maybe that's where the confusion comes in of, what to call these stone beings because some of the older ones are actual um elderly, carved, elderly yeah. yeah 
are the elderlings. So that could be part of what this is. And we know that um, them raising up is talking about these stone statues. <laughs> yeah. Awakening from their slumber. And uh, vengeance gone gold is, you know, when you awaken these carved stone dragons, they take on their colors that they were carved with. Mm -hmm. And uh, wrath embodied in flesh of stone is pretty self-explanatory to those of us who have read the series. Right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um. And that's pretty much all that is in that first little blurb there. Anything else you want to add to that? No, just that we get more confusion. Uh, more questions, especially if this is the first read through where it's kind of like, what are these elderlings? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? I need to know more. And Robin Hobb literally like slipping it into chapter three of book two when it's not really talked about, mm-hmm. but saying, you know, same thing was happening in King Wisdom's time. Right. Guess what's happening in the future? <laughs> Which is also, it kind of goes back to the whole like, history is in a rut and you just need a catalyst to be the stone to move the wheel yeah to a new path um which i think is a cool way to do that if she meant to um and then also we get to learn more about specifically the these raids i mean these are why the raids are happening now basically right uh so i think that's another cool little foreshadowing element that's in this it's a lot of foreshadowing obviously but yeah just some of the little details that you get to pick up second time through. Well, Fitzchivalry wakes up in his bed in his cold, undecorated room besides the tapestry of King Wisdom and the Elderling. Mm-hmm. And thinks about Molly and how he needs to figure out what happened to her. He's still weak. He's still, you know, his body's weary and he's... He's still sick, but he's not totally exhausted. So he's he's hopeful for the day of what's to come and, and what right. he could find out. Mm-hmm. He decides to head down to the kitchens, you know, to eat some food, but not before he gets dressed and <laughs> finds that he has outgrown pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. And what he hasn't is very dirty. So. Yes. Uh, so he eventually finds some... Uh, One shirt that yeah. is was too big before he left and... Um, now fit is just barely fitting, um, but can't find any pants. <laughs> so the traveling pants it is. Um, he's hoping that he's not encountering Lady Patience or Mistress Hasty, so they won't delay him. And I'm sh- <laughs> and he's sure that they'll, you know, get him in new clothes eventually. But he just wants to eat in peace for now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think it's funny that, or maybe not funny, but I just think it's interesting that. It talks about how loose fitting his clothes are, and not just because he's grown, because he obviously has grown taller, um, but because of the sickness where he was a muscular young boy and with months of inactivity and illness, now it's loose in places that it probably wouldn't have been loose in um, had he not gotten sick. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the next kind of part here reinforces that with... Him going out of the kitchens and getting food and, and Cook is like um, very happy to see him commenting on how you know much he's grown but also lamenting how thin he's gotten. Yeah. Which uh, Fitz is like yeah I'm probably going to be uh, sick of hearing that by the time <laughs> I'm healed up again. Yep. 
but uh he he heads back to his room after um after eating and is like remarking on how all the changes that Ketrickin had brought in and there's new tapestries that are reminiscent of like Mountain Kingdom stuff and he's going back to grab a coat to go out and find Molly and kind of uh sees new decorations around and he finds himself in an older section of Buckkeep just kind of randomly mm-hmm. and then he's climbing the dusty steps to Verity's watchtower huh i wonder wonder what made him veer from from his path of finding Molly yeah it's very subtle <laughs> this change from i have to get to molly i'm going to my room to oh look at all the things ketrickin's done i better check out the castle (laughs) and now all of a sudden i'm at the tower yeah it just kind of like gradually shifts there and then he's thinking about verity as he's climbing the tower and like oh the lack of skill users and kind of again recapping exactly what happened since the first book in this um as you are needed as you need to do in the beginning of a new book and um he remarks upon that Verity is skilling alone it had aged him before his time and he was still worried about him that he would overspend himself mm-hmm. in that skilling and that defense of the six duchies and he pushes open the door and he's not really expecting anybody up there because you know he's just randomly wandering around and uh, he opens the door, steps quietly in, and Verity's like, shut the door behind you. It gets really windy in here if that's open. Uh-huh. And Fitz is still like, I didn't expect anybody here. And Verity's just knowingly smiling in his voice, looking out the window. Oh, didn't you? Then why did you come? <laughs> and uh, he was skilled here. Verity, Verity got in his mind and is like, hey, I want to talk to Fitz today. Uh-huh. Um. Because last last chapter he knocked on the king's door to let him know and let the guard know in front of Verity's chamber to say like, "Hey, I'm back." Mm-hmm. So I'm sure Verity needs to go over everything that happened in Jampe uh, in detail, and that's what happens later in this chapter. Right. And this is a great example of what the skill can be um, with someone who's skilled <laughs> or like skilled in the skill. <laughs> Obviously, he's skilled, um, but. It shows Fitz being led somewhere without his knowledge. And just, I don't think we've seen any use of the the skill in this way personally through Fitz's eyes yet. Right. So this is a good way to show us more of what Galen was lacking, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that subtlety, the, uh, the strength, but also subtlety. And Fitz is like, I didn't feel anything. And everybody's like, yeah, I wasn't lying when I said, like... Yeah. I can make people do stuff without them knowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a shout of command to work. Yep. And uh, Fitz notices that he looks pretty well. Yeah. Um, he's filled out. His muscles have filled out. There's vitality in his eyes. He looked every bit of a king. He says, marriage seems to agree with you, my prince. Every t- and it says, I said inanely here. And every time that Fitz thinks he's speaking, like, like frivolities and stupid things of just, like, he shouldn't mention, mm-hmm. it's usually something nice that the other people likes hearing. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you noticed <laughs> I'm doing well. Because <laughs> Verity uh, is flustered, and he's like, oh, in some ways. 
he conceded as a boyish, flu- boyish flush rose on his cheeks. He turned quickly back to the window and said, come see my ships. And uh, they have a little discussion here about how Verity is very proud and very excited about having these warships. Right. Um, one, because it'll spell him from skilling, hopefully. But also, it's an actual action that he can take, and he resents skilling against the Red Ship Raiders. We've talked right. about this last book, mm-hmm. how he hates being you know, deceitful. He'd rather face him with a sword in hand right. and beat him that way. Yeah, and he is a warrior, really. I mean, he's yeah. grown up leading the guardsmen and being someone who works with soldiers. So I think this idea of getting to do that again is probably really exciting to him. And that's probably more so what he's excited about rather than the bloodshed of people. Um, (laughs) Well, yeah, I would say, yeah, but also there's a part in here where he says, and by next winter, I intend to teach them what it is to be raided. He spoke with such a savage satisfaction that would have been frightening had I not shared it. And I think those little lines there kind of speak to the cycle of violence and hint at why the raiders are you know striking back is because mm-hmm. they raided the shores and then king wisdom basically destroyed their whole livelihood and set that whole culture back a bunch because they raided against the out islands and mm-hmm. forged memories and stuff and now that violence is coming back to raid them again and it's just sparking that like we need to take the raids to them we need to right. fight against them on their land now that's and- fair yeah it's just that ever-increasing cold war, but actual war. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> the, like, the arms race, I guess. Yeah, fair. Verdia then <laughs> comments on Fitz directly. He's like, you look terrible. As bad as your clothes. Let's go somewhere warmer and find you some mulled wine and something to eat. And Fitz doesn't take to that very, uh, very kindly. And Verity kind of calls him out and like, eh, don't be prickly about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm me... skilling into you. Like, I, I know what you're feeling. <laughs> yeah. Let me just help you. Well, this goes back to Fitz's need to never be pitied um, because Burek said the wrong thing. And now <sighs> he believes Literally that, one time. <laughs> right. And he <laughs> sunk his teeth into that. And now all pity is wrong because it means they don't love you. <laughs> it's Ugh, it's yeah. just... Or Fitz, but he, I'm glad somebody called him out. <laughs> right, so. yeah. And also, uh, Verity says that he was aware of Fitz's approach for some days. Uh, he tried to skill to him, but he was closed off. Um, and we know from la- end of last book that they did make contact, like, twice or something. Mm-hmm. There were... A- that was early on in their journey. Yeah. And Fitz could feel him trying to yeah. get his attention. He just couldn't answer. This kind of makes me question if he couldn't skill him or skill to him then, how is he able to skill command with his walls up now? And I wonder if it's just proximity and their bond or just an oversight of <laughs> it's been, you know, his, maybe it's supposed to show that his walls are super tight when they're up, but they're not always up because he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, I don't know. That could be true. And he he didn't feel exhausted today, so his body might be like, "Hey, you know, we're we're doing okay." Yeah, like they're a little bit lowered. The guards are a little bit lowered today. I don't know. Yeah. And Verity continues on, and he's uh, very pleased with Burek and how he has done. How he has you know kept Fitz alive. How he's 
guided them back to Buckkeep. And he's wondering how to reward Birk because he knows that Birk won't accept anything publicly, basically. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, and also he can't give Birk anything too right, publicly because right. then people will be like, why? What'd yeah, he do? <laughs> exactly. And uh, Fitz, well, Verity asks Fitz for his advice. And mm-hmm. Fitz, like, really takes that to heart. And it, it this next part really shows how confident he's gotten since uh since john even if like things went terribly wrong Mm -hmm. he got confident in his own decision making and being able to make the correct decisions or critically think through certain situations and he also it also shows he hasn't quite gotten his caution back or you know he isn't fully back in that mindset that he had slipped in at like with the guards at the gate and, mm-hmm. and things like that because he's he gives great advice here um and and thinks it like through and says that yeah Birik wouldn't really can't like accept anything publicly or yeah. too overt he says he's probably gonna say like thanks is all that he needs but the way to handle him is to tell him to take his pick of the likely two-year-olds for his horse is growing old He'd understand that. I considered it carefully. Yes, you might do that. Might I? Verdi asked me dryly. There was an acid edge to the amusement in his voice. I was suddenly amazed at my own boldness. I forgot myself, my prince, I said humbly. A smile curved his lips, and his hand fell on my shoulder in a heavy pat. Well, I asked you, did, did I not? For a moment, I would have sworn it was old chivalry instructing me in handling my men rather than my young nephew. Your trip to Jampé has quite changed you, boy. Come, I meant what I said about a warmer spot and a glass of something. Ketchkin will be wanting to see you later in the day, and patience too, I imagine. So he really, like, you know, he has great advice for it, but he, he kind of oversteps himself in, like, asserting, yes, Verity, my prince, do this. Right. <laughs> Instead and of I, leaving it up to Verity. <laughs> yes. And I think he would have been fine if he would have stopped at, you know, maybe giving him the pick of a two-year-old, one of the two-year-old horses would be great. I think if he would have stopped there, it would have been okay. I think it's the added, yes, you might do that, that really sets it over the edge. Although, maybe the whole thing, maybe if he would have just said, I don't know, he would probably say a word of thanks is enough. That would have been enough. I really don't can't tell what is setting Verity off, but he does not take it well at all. I've, I'm always surprised at this chapter on how quickly Verity goes from kind of angry at Fitz for acting like chivalry to, oh, haha, only kidding. I'm not mad. Let's go to the next thing. LOL. Like, I mean, there's... There is amusement in his voice throughout the whole thing, even in, like, different situations. It says he has an acid edge to it, and I could assume that'd be from, like, he is a king-in-waiting, he is a prince. Fitz is still, you know, supposed to be his, like, loyal and um, subservient to him. They even had that conversation before, like, Verity's Mm -hmm. like, you have to refer to me as my prince now. You can you have to stop serving me because, you know, I'm drawing too much of your skill. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm drawing too much from your strength and I can't do that. Yeah, but with that instance, 
it's more out of concern for his nephew. And this feels like a almost I don't I want to say power hungry, although I don't necessarily see Verity as a power hungry man. It just in this sort of way of like, I need to hold on to my power. And maybe it's because he has to deal with Regal and he's scared that maybe maybe he can't trust Fitz, which would be a sad thing to have to live day to day that like you can't always trust your family there's a passage later in the chapter that kind of references that a little bit right it just i think this chapter specifically is pretty weird i don't know it's not weird but it's weird about how he goes between this like there's a little bit of edge and something real in that anger and then he switches back almost like he's catching himself like of course fitz wouldn't do that to me and maybe it's because he can skill him and knows that he didn't mean anything by it. But I think it kind of gives us an interesting picture of Verity and maybe who he is outside of his relationship with Fitz. Like there's a lot of depths that we don't get to see. And I'm sure he has a lot of insecurities about things as well. Right. Um, right. A thought I, I just had is maybe it's just Robin Hobb's way of describing like the, oh, might I... Right. Like, just to recall Fitz to where mm-hmm. he is instead of thinking so deeply. Right. Not, like, actually angry, but just, like, yeah. you know, Fitz, <laughs> get your mind together here. Yeah, don't like, talk down to me, I'm the yeah. king, basically. Yeah, I also wonder if it's maybe his own insecurities coming up of, like, even my bastard nephew doesn't treat me like a king. Because, yeah. I mean, his father didn't want him to be king. Right. And obviously would prefer regal although he's not gonna go over the chain of command like he's (laughs) he's he's gonna stick to 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 tradition and let verity be prince or king in waiting so maybe it's also a little bit of like he gets it from all angles and he probably knows the rumors going around about how he's a horrible king right so maybe he is just a little insecure and it like hit a nerve of his brother's son who in another life would have been king yeah is now talking to him as though they're equals i don't know maybe but uh he's following him downstairs and he uh verity heaps a bunch of tasks onto fitz so fitz knows like he's not gonna get to town today he's not gonna be able to seek after molly um he has to go to mistress hasty get new clothes mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but they make their way down to a room that was previously occupied by Fedrin mm-hmm. and is now Verity's map room where he gets to have his clutter and <laughs> draw, basically, and have thoughts to himself. Right. Because it says that Ketrikin wants everything very clean and she's... How does Verity describe it? Her own chamber has the precision of a military encampment. So I hide myself away down here, for I quickly found that in a clean and sparse chamber, I could get no work done at all. So, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of the same way. I like a bunch of things around me. There. But, like, I also don't need to buckle down and and draw and, like, get a bunch <laughs> of map drawings done or, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I don't know. So this room is cozy with a bunch of knickknacks of verities and mm-hmm. not organized at all. Right. Kind of um, a less messy version of Patience Room, but 
but with less plants and more books. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, is what I see, at least in my mind's eye. Uh, I think it also answers the question of whether or not he's the one who cleaned before Ketrikan got there, or if it was all yeah, Ketrikan. Definitely Ketrikan. It was all Ketrikan. <laughs> we can settle that argument once and for all. <laughs> Uh, Cherim comes in, that's Verity's uh, serving man, mm-hmm. and he not only seemed unsurprised to see me, but had added to Verity's request a certain type of spice bread that I had always enjoyed, which I thought was really, yeah, really cute. <laughs> I know. Well, Fitz is likable, and I'm sure Cherim knows that Fitz is a good kid, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then with their food... This is like lunch now. Uh, Verdi asks for a full accounting of what happened in Champay, which uh, Fitz goes through, and by the time he was done, Cherim is coming by with another meal. So they've been talking for a long time. <laughs> yes. Well, a lot happened. He has to summarize several chapters of a book, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's not just what happened, but... Uh, summations of what Fitz has concluded from his experiences and then what he suspects from what he had learned. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the full spy master like yeah. Give me all the information that is there, give me your suppositions and give me of what right. might happen in the future based on those. Right. And then during their uh meal, Verity and Fitz just speak about the warships. Right. Because obviously Verity is extremely excited about those. Yeah. He gets this, you know, big time shipwright, uh, what's his name, mast fish, to come down and supervise the building of them and has a heated shed and barn. Verity himself went to fetch this guy because he first said no. And the timbers are all like perfect. And that's Mm -hmm. what made this old guy want to build and supervise the building of these warships. And he's obviously very excited about the prospect of having you know, warships that they can have their own Navy. Right. Well, I wonder with how excited he is, how long he's wanted a Navy. And like, we know they've been raided regularly before this moment. Um, This isn't the first year or couple years they've been raided. It's just the first time that they've had foraging happen. And that's so, yeah, it's so bad that they're, they're not even taking things or just destroying everything. So, I wonder if before this, when it wasn't as bad, he had brought up like, hey, we should get, you know, ships to raid them back or to fight them off before they raid us. And it was like, oh, that's not a problem right now. Let's not do it. And now he's finally getting the warships. And maybe it's just because he's had to live through the deaths of all of his people firsthand that he's this excited. Um, But I kind of like to think that before this, he was wanting warships of his own and he's it's like a new toy, which is a weird thing to say about killing machines. <laughs> well, I guess the boats themselves aren't killing anybody. And then uh, Verity quizzes Fitz on every single event that happens during jean So by the time that they're done, Fitz has relived all of the betrayal and the anger again that he hasn't let himself feel because he hasn't been able to tell anybody everything that's happened right. till now. So... He is incredibly angry and betrayed and upset, understandably so. And Verity knows that, and he's like, you have questions? 
This time, you may ask them. And he just folds his hand quietly and waits. Mm-hmm. And he waits through this whole thing until Fitz is like done and controlling himself afterwards. And I think that's that's a great mark of a leader, knowing when like you have almost pushed somebody to the edge, and yeah. you need to help them come come to grips with what is happening and what your decisions are. Right. Well, I think this is also a skill that he probably has learned while oh, being. Yeah. In the, with the soldiers, oh, yeah. right? Because having people fight for their country can probably be really hard, and sometimes they're put in positions where they're angry at the outcome. And so I'm sure he's learned, okay, this is a soldier who yeah, <laughs> he's been pushed too far. And so I think it, it really highlights his strengths and how he is a good king. He could be a good king. Um, if he had a little bit more self-confidence and backing from his father. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, he goes over this whole thing that, like, Fitz goes over this whole thing, framing this whole question of, like, Regal is your brother, and he is guilty of the highest treason possible. Um, why is he not punished? basically mm-hmm. i mean yeah. he goes through all like the charges yeah, of what everything he's done, regal has done up until this point and verity is just like yeah you and i both accept those things are true they would be difficult for us to prove and fitz is you know yelling now and he relies upon that and then turned my face aside from verity until i could master my anger the very intensity intensity of it frightened me for i had not allowed myself to feel it until now my face spasmed suddenly in a violent series of twitches that dismayed me enough that I was able to force calm upon myself once more. Regal relies upon it, I said more quietly. All this while Verity had not budged nor changed expression despite my outburst. He does not admire you, that you keep the laws of the kingdom. He sees it as a weakness, as a way to circumvent justice. He may try to kill you again. Almost certainly he will make an attempt upon me. Then we must be careful, we two, mustn't we? Verity observed mildly. I lifted my eyes to look him in the face. That is all you say to me? I asked tightly, choking down my outrage. It's chivalry. I am your prince. I am your king in waiting. You are sworn to me as much as to my father. And if it comes to it, you are sworn to my brother as well. Then Verdi has a monologue about justice and law here. Right. Which is the passage I was referring to because he says that, you know, justice is something that we all want, but we're never going to get. So we have to, you know, settle for law. Justice would be putting Fitz next in line for the throne because... Chivalry was the eldest brother, and you're his son. Right. But the law says that you were born outside of wedlock, so that's not happening. That's I, I'm the king. Mm-hmm. Some might say I had snatched the throne from my brother's son. Should I be shocked that my younger brother should want to grab it from me? I had never heard Verity speak like this, his voice so even, but so fraught with emotion. I kept silent. Then he talks about... Um, what he could do. 
He right. could punish Regal. Right. And more, not in name, um, but in action. And yeah. any noble person with any sort of sense would know it was a punishment. Um, but yep. it'd be the type of punishment that royal people get, where it's not... Send him as an emissary to some uncomfortable cold place. Uh, pile him with drudge work so he doesn't have time to do anything else. Right. You know, unpleasant duties. Keep him in uncomfortable conditions. Almost exile him, you know, whatever. But that wouldn't work because those who sympathize with him already would side with him and drive that wedge further in the six statues. Right. See, this is the point where I think there's some interesting logic being used here. His whole point is I can't give him punishment because then people who are already against me will notice that I punished him and use that as a way to back him more as though they can't use anything to back him more. Um, And on top of that, he says that the inland duchies could contrive some emergency in his mother's land that demanded the presence of her son. And once there, he could build further support for himself. He might very well be able to ferment the civil unrest he sought before and found an inland kingdom loyal only to him. So the whole idea is I can't punish him because either his supporters will tear apart the country or he'll get his own separate kingdom of the two inland duchies by himself, which let me just take a little aside here to say, I don't understand why that would necessarily be the worst outcome in the world. (laughs) What do the inland duchies really do? I guess right now they have all the money. They have all the money. They have all the food pretty much. I mean, they're going to get attacked if, there, if Verity's kingdom fails, so yeah, but they're not that foresighted. Come on, I guess. But anyway, <laughs> I just I think it's interesting that the reasoning is maybe it, that could be the thing that leads him to getting the throne. That I just want to point that out. I'm gonna bring it up again in like literally five minutes. I'm sure. Um, I also want to take that from another angle and um. It could be seen as, like, if I did punish him by, you know, keeping him in the kingdom by doing, you know, unpleasant drudge work or whatever, or send him out to be basically exiled as an emissary to some cold place, the inland duchies, yes, they could contrive some emergency, but that would undermine any sort of action that Verity or Shrewd would take against Regal, because that would draw him away from those duties as a quote-unquote emergency happened in the Inland Duchy, so he would no longer be punished. It would reduce the uh, the authority level in all the nobles' eyes who had saw Regal as punished mm-hmm. and saw he was easily like taken out of that. Fair. So it would upset his position in the court as well, more so. But I don't understand why they would just let him go to the Inland then. In this made-up scenario then why would they allow him to go whatever the emergency was? Well, because they're not actually outwardly punishing him. Like, if there's an emergency in his mother's land, like, it could be his family holdings or something like that, or extended family emergencies, or, you know? I guess, but... Obviously, there's some reason that Verity can think of (laughs) (laughs) that they wouldn't be able to stop. So, Fitz, at this point is hearing all this and he recognizes yeah 
Verity has a lot of wisdom in this. He knows how to rule these six duchies. He looks around and there's a map, an intricate detailed map of each duchy on on the walls of this room, drawn all by Verity, who, by someone who has, you know, campaigned across them, fought, you know, negotiated peace with his older brother, um, talked with all the leaders of the land, and, and someone who knows how to rule all of his people and, and Fitz is like, well, you know, my anger can't go up against this knowledge, basically. Like, I want justice, and obviously he seems to kind of want it as well, but it can't happen, and he knows the reasons why, so I have to trust that. Who was I to be telling him how to rule at home? And Fitz just asks, what will you do? And Verity goes uh, that he's going to keep him. He's his brother and his father's son, his father's most cherished youngest son. I have gone to my father, the king, and suggested that Regal might be more content with his lot if he had more to do with the running of the kingdom. King Shrewd has consented to this. I expect to be much occupied with defending our lands from the red ships, so to Regal will fall the task of raising the revenues we shall need, and he will also be dealing with any other internal crises that may arise. So... Regal is supposed to be content with this, and Verity says that um, you cannot say he is not. Right, so this is the part where I'm confused, and I'm going to bring back what he just was talking about, about how he cannot give Bog Regal down with so much work or send him away because this will give him more power. So how is it not giving him more power to let him be in charge of literally everything in the kingdom but the Red Ship Raids? It's the only thing the Outer Duchies care about. And the Inner Duchies don't care about the Outer Duchies. So why, if we're walking this back to where I can't possibly... Uh, exile him somewhere cold because that would give him power but what i'm gonna do is turn around and give him all the power he needs to usurp me by putting him in charge of everything that isn't the war because the previous one wasn't about giving him power that he couldn't punish regal by giving him power if he punished him it would empower the inner duchies to go against the king's wishes but how does this not do the same in a way that it's not against the king's wishes anymore, but it is showing, oh, Regal deserves to be king more because he is the king, basically. He's doing everything the king should be doing. There, there are two different things, though. The first one is about, you know, keeping the six duchies as a whole together. The second one is about letting, having Regal do these tasks so he feels important but they can keep a close eye on Regal, and it's not the duchies themselves. Regal is still the leader of that. If the inner duchies, if he's being punished and the inner duchies take control, like, hey, we have to get Regal out here, then they've already made an act of, you know, treason, of sedition, of trying to get their leader to the inner duchies and escape from this punishment. But if it's Regal going around and giving power, that's the lesser of two evils, I guess. They have to do one or the other, right? They can't just, like leave him sit because then he'll have time to do whatever he's gonna do so they have to give him responsibilities and he has to put up that front that he's achieving those responsibilities because like verity says uh he has to keep the image of a young man adept at ruling but waiting for his opportunity to prove himself so regal has this you know he's very vain he has to keep this image to 
everyone, not just the duchies that he likes, but all of the duchies. So um, eventually they kind of accept him and then he could shoo them off anyways. But um, to the common folk as well, that he's, you know, brilliant and he's great at leading. So he has to prove that he is good at that. I guess it just is frustrating to be like, we have to keep him away from power. So right. instead of punishing him, we're going to give him the power that he do- so desperately wants. Just that part was really frustrating because I understand how important the Red Ships, the Raiders, like how like that defense line is and why, you know, Verity wants to put all his energy into that. I get that. But it seems as though from what we've read the people don't understand that, especially not the inner duchy people. Right. And so by putting Regal in charge of everything else, that's just lifting up the inner duchies and Regal's status without doing anything for Verity and Verity yeah. is getting the short end of the stick. So I don't. But also we know Verity's feelings uh, and, and Shrewd's feelings about their ruling and Verity thinks he's a sacrificial lamb basically. And, no one else is really paying attention to the defense of the six duchies and Regal won't. So he has to do it. So I guess I don't know. It's just, I mean, I never said that Verity is this plan is the greatest because I'm right. sure chivalry could have come up with a better thing. Cause he's way better at those kind of social negotiations. Right. But it is the lesser of two evils. And I honestly don't know how they would go about doing this. I don't know, maybe force them to go on the coasts and like check out all the things and try to figure out a better defense system on the ground. Like, you know, like have him be in the outer duchies working on things, not sent away. And I guess maybe this still falls into the, obviously it's a punishment, but he's partying all the time. He doesn't need to do that. (laughs) Right. Maybe cut his allowance. Like, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Cut him off from dad. It you know? just, it feels like we can't punish him, so we might as well give him exactly what he wants. <laughs> That's one of the most frustrating things about the first trilogy is how much Regal gets away with. Right. Um, that never really, like, stops. Even no. his death is, like, kind of unsatisfactory. Yeah. Like, at the end when, you know, the ferret just, like, drains him dry of blood, I guess. Which also is a little odd, but okay. Or weasel, I guess. I don't remember which one it I is. I think it's a weasel. It was weasel? Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just... It's... I don't know. I, I think I'm just upset because I hate Regal. And, I mean, he's a great villain, don't get me wrong. I love him as a villain. But, like, <laughs> as a person. <laughs> as a human being. Also, like, just the whole, like, power dynamic of he's too powerful to be punished is a little too real. So, <laughs> that's just, like... That's fair. So, I think it's, like, I can be angry, super angry at this made-up character who realistically isn't affecting any real people a little bit easier (laughs) it's a little bit easier to talk about that range (laughs) all right uh so they're kind of wrapping up their conversation here and verity is like when you come to me tomorrow but fitz interrupts and says i must have tomorrow for myself again he kind of uh doesn't take you know, a formal tone is demanding about his own time and stuff, which is fair. And Verity like says it's fair later. Um, but he also says, must you? 
In an odd tone. In an odd tone. I looked up and met my, met his eyes. I swallowed. I brought myself to my feet. My prince, I began formally, I would ask your kind permission to be excused from duties tomorrow, that I might pursue errands of my own. He let me stand for a moment, then, oh, sit down, Fitz. Petty. I suppose that was petty of me. Thinking of Regal puts me in such a frame of mind. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly you can have the day, boy. If anyone asks, you're on my business. Might I ask what this urgent errand is? I looked into the fire at the leaping flames. My friend was living in Silt Bay. I need to find out. Oh, Fitz. There was more sympathy in Verity's voice that I could withstand. Sad. Very sad. Yeah. And Verity knows that feeling. Right. Like, he was also probably witnessing what happened there. Mm-hmm. Like, and even so, I'm sure he's lost friends or had in battle friends oh, go yeah. missing and you like need to know what's going on. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure he understands, but I do want to just back up a little bit to talk about their dynamic again. It, this, this relationship between Fitz and Verity is a very interesting relationship to me because yeah. it seems as though it's so informal. It's a nephew and an uncle talking most of the time. Obviously, there's duties under that. And there's obviously normal uncles and nephews don't talk about <laughs> murder plots. Um, but it feels like most of the time it's super like not by the books. This is just two people hanging out and talking informally. And then every once in a while, it's almost like Verity is scared or just nervous about the lack of decorum and has to bring it back to just a reminder fits you're nothing <laughs> you're just my servant so treat me like i'm your prince or king in waiting it might be the same kind of warning that birik had for him like you have enemies don't overstep your place here right like it could be just like a hey we're in we're in a role like you have to yeah. i it just feels weird because i feel like Verity also has moments of there's no power dynamic. There's no I'm your king right now and you're my servant. It's we're just two guys talking about stuff. It seems to be whenever Fitz is making a demand on Verity. Like uh, you might do this. Yes, you should do this for Beric Mm -hmm. or uh, I must have this day to myself. When Verity's like, come on, dude, I'm right in front of you. And like you're sworn to me. I guess, and maybe it's like he worries that Fitz will take it outside the room, whereas like yeah. with just the two of them here, it's okay for there to be a lax attitude because they are family, but outside they can't be family because of the law, not because of justice, and they cannot have anything other than the relationship of uh, master and servant rather than uncle and nephew. So I don't know. I just think it's a really interesting thing. And this isn't the only time we see it. I think this is just the best way to bring it up because there is that little power struggle right now um, with Fitz kind of forgetting himself. But it's really an interesting relationship of uh, it's like a tightrope. You have to walk the line of being a loving family member, but also knowing your place and where you are in the hierarchy so that you don't overstep those bounds. So then um, they have their final conversation here. Verity is asking, you know, 
asking Fitz if you want a man to ride with you, and Fitz is kind of getting that sinking feeling that he knows what he would find at Silt Bay, that instead of, like, the hopeful I'll look around town this morning for news of Molly, it's like, I... Yeah. I know what's going to be there. And he's just, you know, getting more shudders because um, of his emotions running high. He's weakened from the whole day, and he's just trying to calm himself and edge back from the fit that threatened. I could not abide the thought of shaming myself that way before Verity. Verity replies to that thought, Shame to me, not you, to have ignored how ill you have been. He had arisen silently. He set his glass of wine before me. The damage you took was taken for me. I am appalled by what I allowed to befall you. I forced myself to meet Verity's eyes. He knew all that I tried to conceal, knew it, and was miserable with guilt. It is not often this bad, I offered him. He smiled at me, but his eyes did not change. You are an excellent liar, Fitz. Do not think your training has gone awry. But you cannot lie to a man who has been with you as much as I have, not just these last few days, but often during your illness. If any other man says to you, I know just how you feel, you, re you may regard it as politeness, but for me, accept it as truth. I know that with you, it is as with Burek. I shall not offer you the pick of the colts a few months hence. I do offer you my arm, if you wish it, to get back to your room. And... This is kind of a big deal. Yeah, it's, it's a big deal. It, it shows, first of all, at the beginning, it shows that Verity has been with him and is mm -hmm. still with him in the skill and can read Fitz's emotions and his thoughts that he doesn't want to shame Verity by being weak. And Verity's like, no, it's, it's not a shame to mm -hmm. you. It's shame on me for not realizing how sick you actually are right. and for having you go through this injury for me. And also, like, you deserve a gift as well, even mm -hmm. though I can't give it to you publicly. Yeah. For sure cannot be given Fitz a gift because, right. yeah. <laughs> because of who he is. Fitz refuses his arm back to his room. He says, I, I was aware of how he honored me, but also of how plainly he saw my weakness. Again, the whole pity thing. I wanted to be alone to hide myself. Okay, Fitz. But also, I mean... To be fair, it would it. be super embarrassing to have to, like, you're the king's man, and the here's king the king is. The king is walking you back. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be... I understand. And, you know, maybe that's why this isn't, like, a remember-your-place-fits moment. It's a, okay, yeah. I get it. I just was trying. Right. So. He nodded, understanding. Would that you had mastered the skill, I could offer you strength, just as I have too often taken it from you, even though it was twice only. But still, right. the once was too often for Verity. Mm -hmm. I could not, I muttered, unable to mask how distasteful I would find the drawing off of another man's strength to replace my own. I instantly regretted the moment of shame I saw in my prince's eyes. I too could once speak with such pride, he said quietly. Go get some rest, boy. Why, why is Fitz so judgy about this use of the skill? As someone who uses the wit, which is looked down upon and seems to someone who has never used it to be a beastly, uncivil magic, 
would he not why wouldn't he understand then that this may not be something that's like the best thing in the world but it's probably just something i don't understand instead of ew gross it it might be because of his experiences with it first was the unwittingly giving his strength to verity and him realizing that oh verity can kill me so easily right now and just verity's acknowledging oh you don't know how much to give i'll mm-hmm. stop this prevented him from dying and then two galen sucking verity dry and verity not being able to do anything except with fitz's strength like the being able to take somebody else's like life force seems to like really skeeve him out i guess yeah because maybe because he's so connected to everything yeah I guess that could be. It just feels like a really fits. You're going to be judgy right now. <laughs> but also that, yeah, he kind of knows that Verity is in his mind and then is instantly like, wow, uh-huh. I would never stoop yeah. that far. That is disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> well, it was one of yours. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, he instantly regrets it because he can see in Verity's eyes that like, oh, I... I'm basically saying Verity was disgusting for taking my strength. Yeah. Whoops. And it's such a weird thing, too, because you know Fitz doesn't regret giving his strength right. to Verity. <laughs> right. So, like, that, too, is also, like, a weird, like, I'm better than Verity. Verity, please take my strength, though. <laughs> such a weird... I don't know, Fitz. He didn't mean that directed at Verity, but... Right. Yeah. It's one of those, like, oops, I didn't realize the thing that I'm being bigotry bigoted about affects the person that i love (laughs) oopsies typical fits um and he heads off he he's heading back off to his house his his house his room (laughs) um and he says he walks with a drunkard's caution another little you know foreshadowing for the rest of this uh chapter here right Uh, avoiding the common areas where folk had gathered for the evening because he's folding his arms and hunching his shoulders if he's chilled, so he's trying to stop the trembling as he's walking. He's trying to force down those seizures. He's just so weak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've been, thankfully, not very often, but I've been sick enough where like you can't stop shivering before. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel like this is, but with the added danger of actually being able to have a seizure. Right. If you don't, you know, rest, if you don't Yeah, if you push yourself calm yourself. Yeah. And also it's kind of sad because Fitz hasn't done much today in terms of what he has done in his life. He right. basically just sat and ate and talked. He walked up and down a tower. Uh-huh. Down to the kitchens. And then yeah. And sat for like eight nine hours and talked exhaustingly right and through a lot of difficult things right it just i mean it's not as though this is like easy tasks and also eight hours of sitting and talking is a lot oh my gosh but um i hope he got those 15 minute breaks that osha (laughs) recommends (laughs) you know he did well yeah they did they talked about the warships (laughs) (laughs) they got to eat um but i mean it just is like shows how far he's come from what he was once able to. I mean, he was going out and fighting forged ones last summer, and now he can't even spend a day talking without like it yeah. wearing him out that much. It just has really uh, this sickness has really affected him. 
But before he can get back to his room and rest, Lacey comes running down the steps and bumps into him pretty much. Mm-hmm. And uh, just basically says, oh, there you are. And uh, sees me with that cry as if I were a pair of shears she'd misplaced from her sewing basket. I just imagined her like confidently walking down the steps. Ah, there you are. And grabbing him by the arm and just keeping on going, not even like stopping and uh-huh. just going on this whole list of like, I've been up and down these stairs a dozen times today. If I've been once, my, you've gotten taller. Lady Patience has not been up, but <laughs> has not been at all herself. And it's your fault. <laughs> at first, she expected you to tap onto the door any moment. She was so pleased you were finally home. She paused to look up at me with her bright bird eyes. That was this morning, she confided. Then, oh, you have been ill. Such circles under your eyes. <laughs> Without giving me a chance to reply, she went on. By early afternoon, when you hadn't arrived, she began to be insulted and a bit cross. By dinner, she was in such a temper over your rudeness she could scarcely eat. Since then, she's decided to believe the rumors about how sick you've been. She's sure that you've either collapsed somewhere or that Beric has kept you down in the stables cleaning up after horses and dogs despite your health. <laughs> Thinking the worst of Beric, of course. Uh-huh. Now here we are, in you go. I have him, my lady, and she whisked me into Patience's chambers. It's just such a like a whirlwind of uh-huh. here we go. <laughs> Alright, I'm not gonna give you any time to think. I'm gonna tell you why you're bad, and there you go. <laughs> Apologize. It says Lacey's chatter had an odd undertone to it, as if she avoided something. And we both know that avoidance is basically Molly. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Uh, and he enters hesitantly, wondering if Patience herself had been ill, thinking about, like, oh, there's this odd undertone. Maybe Patience had befallen some, you know, misfortune or whatever. But uh, her chambers are pretty much unchanged, except the added layer of new interests covering over the top of the old ones. Mm -hmm. More plants growing up, you know, just more clutter. (laughs) (laughs) But the same old clutter at the same time. Mm -hmm. There's an old, you know... There's an old tablet next to some cheered and fortune telling sticks and he goes down on one knee because he's weak and he has to cover that up. So he picks up the tablet like, oh, I'm just looking at this. Well, he does go down on the knee to pet the pup. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Um, he does. And then he's like, "Uh oh, I can't get back up very easily. Better uh, find a reason why I'm down here so long. (laughs) So he's on one knee and like holding this tablet and Patience turns around and like, oh, get up. Don't be on one knee for me. Like, that's silly. Yep. <laughs> oh, thanks for the present. This tablet. I was, how did you know I was looking for this kind of stuff? <laughs> yeah. And one of my, like, one of my favorite relationships in this whole, this whole series, honestly, is Lacey and Fitz. Mm-hmm. They're so awesome together. <laughs> They're so <laughs> hilarious because they both know patience is ridiculous. Uh-huh. And... It says that uh, she took the tablet from my hand and smiled up at me at the supposed gift. Over her shoulder, Lacey winked at me. I gave a minuscule shrug in return. <laughs> <laughs> they do have a great relationship. Well, I mean, Lacey always tells him what he's walking into so that he yeah. knows what, which is mostly for Patience's benefit because we both know Fitz would have no idea oh, what yeah. to do otherwise. 100%. And I think she's trying to like, okay, here's all the things that's happening so you know and Patience is trying to play it off. Because every time he comes in, she's always like, oh, 
oh, I didn't see you there. Were, were you going to come? That's so odd. Why would you? And, and, and meanwhile, right before this, Lacey's like, she's been sick with worry about you not coming. Like, Super angry. Uh-huh. Very upset. But now she's kind of concerned you are sick. But she yes. didn't believe it before. But, but as soon as you see her, you would have never known that she had been so angry she skipped dinner. Yeah. <laughs> And it even says, she turned back to me. For a moment, she regarded me warmly. Then she called up a frown to her face. <laughs> <laughs> the effect of her reproving look was rather spoiled by the fact that she came just to my shoulder now, and that she had two ivy leaves stuck in her hair. Excuse me, I said, and boldly plucked them from her unruly dark curls. She took them from my hand seriously as if they were important, and set them atop the tablet. Do you think she kept those? Oh, for sure. I think she's sentimental like that. And oh, like, 100%. She's that's sentimental. That's why her room is cluttered like the way it is, because she doesn't get rid of anything. She's a hoarder. Well, yeah. <laughs> but like she, she, I feel like she's also going to take those leaves and put them like in a little box somewhere uh-huh, or the something. The box. Yeah. <laughs> because we know like later on, uh, she kept like a lock of his hair when he died and mm-hmm. like a bunch of little other knickknacks as yeah. well. Yeah, well, she cares about him, and she just doesn't know. Yeah, he's how, her son. Yeah, and she probably doesn't know that he cares about her because he's a teenage boy and is horrible at <laughs> telling anyone he cares about them. So true. <laughs> as much as he wants people to care about him and tell him that they care, he does not do that for anybody else. <laughs> Be prepared for more teenage boy at the end of this chapter. Oh yeah, and in like five pages. <laughs> uh, and she goes on this uh, this rant of, "Where have you been?" You've been needed here desperately. There's a a wedding, a new queen's in town. You've missed all the feasting, the dancing, the gathering of the nobles. I'm expending all my energies to see you retreated as a son of the prince, and here you are, avoiding all your social obligations. What are you doing? The important things here. At and she ends it with, whatever possessed you to cut your hair like that? <laughs> yeah. We go about all the keep where anyone else might talk to you dressed like a ragged tinker. <laughs> uh, so and this is uh, this is the line right here that we mentioned at the end of last episode. Uh, I think or maybe two episodes ago. Uh, my father's wife, once horrified to discover that he had sired a bastard before they wed, had gone from abhorring me to aggressively bettering me. So this is where we we know for sure that chivalry did not cheat on patients while they were married at all mm-hmm. it was before they were married at least at the yes. very least well he was born before they were married yeah so yeah yeah so they might have met each other but yeah but unclear if they were uh, yeah. dating which is also weird in these times so who right. knows <laughs> yeah so um <laughs> at the end of this this is just like, I am sorry, my lady. Experience had taught me never to argue with patience. <laughs> um, and he says he was sick. He's recovered. And then the weather delayed them. Um, he was sorry to miss the wedding. And um, she asked sharply here. And that was all? That was the sole reason for your delay? As if suspecting some heinous deception. And right here, I'm pretty sure she's asking, like, you weren't avoiding Molly and marriage. Like, you weren't running away from your obligations of courting this woman. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Fitz is like, yeah, that was the only reason. But I did bring you a gift. 
Like it's out in the stables. Which is the first time we hear about this, and it's so cute. Yeah. His gift to her is um, a sort of herbal. Yeah. Um, So the Chiruda people do not uh, write things down. Um, so instead, they for teaching herbs at least. Yeah. Well, yeah. for most things, we know before this last book, I believe we talked about how they don't. They do have a library. They do have a library, I guess, but they don't. It doesn't seem as I don't know. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so for teaching things, they don't write things down. Um, instead, they have tiny wax models of herbs, tinted to the correct colors and scented with each herb to make it easier to learn them. And then there's lettering underneath it explaining what it is, but um, yeah, they have like a physical like depiction rather than just a drawing of it. Yeah, which is so cool. What a cool cool. gift. Yeah. What a good gift. He's a good gift giver. Um, And then he's, uh, you know, Lacey's like, hey, shall I bring him a chair? He does look as if he's been ill. (laughs) Lacey Mm -hmm. reminding patients like, hey. Yeah. Remember, we can sit down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But also I do want to point out that whenever he talks about the gift, uh, patience um eyes start shining like she's holding back tears and i just think that's really cute yeah it's cute so they sit down and patience asks about the illness like why were you so sick and so fitz says i ate something one of the foreign herbs and i had a strong reaction to it there that was truthful lacy brought me a small stool and i sat grief gratefully A wave of weariness passed through me. Oh, I see. She dismissed my illness. She took a breath, glanced about, then suddenly demanded, Tell me, have you ever considered marriage? (laughs) 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 The sick boy in front of her. Well, no, he just ate a bad herb. She'd probably done that millions of times. (laughs) (laughs) That's nothing. Anyway, marriage. (laughs) And... Fitz daydreams and thinks about Molly here, and Patience is like, stop that. I won't have you staring through me as if I were not here. Do you hear me? Are you well? And Fitz doesn't answer that question then. Have you ever thought of marriage? He's just like, no, I'm not really well. Uh, it's been a tiring day. But I I found this conversation really funny rereading it, because I know that she's bringing up marriage because Molly is now in her employ as a serving lady. Mm-hmm. And Dad talks about why she was there and that, you know, Fitz was courting Molly and Patience thinks it's all, uh, you know, Fitz leading her on about this marriage and then running mm-hmm. away to the Mountain Kingdom. Uh-huh. And now is like asking, hey, have you ever thought of marriage? Like, do you know what you were doing, basically? <laughs> and Fitz just immediately turns to Molly and is like, oh, yeah, that'd be nice. No, what are you talking about? And then later on, like, wait. Molly liked me like that? Yeah, for real. Oh, it's... Uh, it's it's just, like, both worlds are talking about the same exact person and the same exact situation, but, like, from different angles. Mm-hmm, and neither realize. It's so good. Um, but uh, Patience here decides... Well, like, not decides, but, like, observes Fitz a little bit more mm-hmm. and sees that maybe this isn't the best time for talk. Genuine concern grew in her eyes. Perhaps, she suggested softly, after a moment. I do not know the full tale of your adventures. The truth hovered inside me, then fell, and was drowned in the danger of her knowing all that truth. A long journey, bad food, dirty inns with sour beds and sticky tables. That sums it up. 
I don't think you really want to hear all the details. An odd thing happened. Our eyes met, and I knew she saw my lie. She nodded slowly, accepting the lie as necessary, and looked aside. I wondered how many times my father had told her similar lies. What did it cost her to nod? That's also something that is probably extremely familiar to patients. One, we, we were just told in the previous scene that Verity assures Fitz that he is a great liar. Mm-hmm. Like, he, Verity knew what, that he was lying and what he actually felt because he was in his head with the skill. Right. Patience here sees right through him. One, oh. they look exactly, he looks exactly the same as chivalry. Yep. Which you were just about to say, I think. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's probably also why she turns away. Because she's just thinking of all that time and like, oh, my son is caught up in this as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just terrible. Like, I don't know. It's I just wonder- a sad situation. I wonder if this made her realize that maybe bringing him to being a real prince or having the education of a prince has brought on the dangers that his father had to take. And, I, you know, like, I don't know that she would necessarily jump straight to that, but that is kind of the something that would, you know. Yeah. She's also very intelligent, I think, would connect the dots that he would have been used either way fair and maybe being a prince would protect him more yeah but like the things that she wants him to learn are you know the social niceties of being a prince so rather than just being a tool or just being there as you know the bastard he's looked on better by other people of the castle and i don't know yeah but it is that last line of what did it cost her to nod? Yeah. Is really sad. Um, and it also shows how much Fitz actually does care. Because I think he feels bad. But at the same time, it's for her own good. Uh, I don't know. It's just an interesting... Yeah, definitely. ...little question. Fitz uh, takes a sip of this wine that uh, Lacey gets him and asks how Patience has been doing. You know, there's a queen here now. And I'm sure the life is much busier. Tell me all of it missed. And that uh, pricks patience out of her reverie and her thinking about this these situations, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And it's her turn to look like, you know, avoiding mm-hmm. conversations like, oh, you know what a solitary creature I am. My health is not always strong. I don't want to stay up late, you know, dancing, talking. I have presented myself to the queen and sat at a table with her a time or two, but she is young and busy and caught up with her new life. I am old and odd, and my life is full of my own interests. And Fitz tries to bridge that gap. He's like, oh, Ketrickin, you know, has the same interests as you in, like, growing things, and she'd probably be most interested. And and then a tremor shakes him. Mm-hmm. And he... uh tries to drink again just to steady himself and spills wine all over himself and he jumps up in dismay and then it falls out of his grasp and onto the floor and he's just so shaky and so exhausted and so weak that he really can't keep control of any of himself right now. Right. And all he can really say is like, as he sits down and clasps his arms around himself to try to stop his shaking is, I am very tired. 
Lacey comes and like wipes him up and uh, gives him a gives him a rag and they just say like okay we we can tidy up you know you have to go to bed you have to rest like off to bed with you go Mm -hmm. and it's you know is grateful for that because he just needs he needs to sleep he needs Mm -hmm. to sleep for like two two days right (laughs) he needs to get his strength back Lacey saw me as far as the door and then stood watching after me anxiously as far as the landing I tried to walk as if the walls and floors weren't wavering I paused at the stairs to give her a small wave and then started up them three steps up and out of her sight I stopped lean on the wall and catch my breath I lifted my hands to shield my eyes from the brilliant candlelight. Dizziness was washing over me in waves. When I opened my eyes, my vision was wreathed in rainbow fogs. I closed them tight and pressed my hands to them. And as he's standing there trying to catch his breath, trying to see, closing his eyes against, you know, not being able to see anything. (laughs) Someone asks him, are you all right, sir? A bit too much to drink, I lied. Certainly the wine I had dumped over myself made me smell like a drunk. I'll be fine in a moment. Let me help you up the stairs. A stumble here might be dangerous. There was a starched disapproval in the voice now. I opened my eyes and peered through my fingers. Blue skirts of the sensible fabric that all the servants wore. No doubt she had to deal with drunks before. And he's like shaking his head like, no, I don't need help. But she ignores him and... You know, let's just get you up the stairs, she encouraged me. I uh, leaned on her, not wanting to, and stumbled up to the next landing. Says thank you, uh, thinking that she would leave me, leave him alone, but uh, she kept her grip. And he says, like, what door he is. He's like, yeah, I'm the third door down, if you don't mind. Um, and she's like, are you sure the servants' quarters are the next flight up? Are you sure you're on this level? And... The third door is the bastard's room. Yeah. And... He did not flinch to the words as he would have once. Fitz did not even lift his head. He says, yes, you may go now. I dismissed her as coldly. And it's Molly. Mm-hmm. New boy. <laughs> That's what she, she says. <laughs> I was definitely hissed in fury. Yeah, that was not a very... Fervent. New boy. <laughs> a little bit too southern there. <laughs> New boy. Closer. I should drop you right here. I don't want to make her sound like a mean person. She's just angry. <laughs> but she is angry. Uh, yeah. Just a bit. Um, and Fitz is just happy that she's there and alive. Yep. Like, he's like, oh my gosh, you're alive. My heart leaped in me like a hooked fish. I took her in my arms and kissed her. At least, I attempted to. She stiff-armed me away, saying gruffly, I shall never kiss a drunk. That's one promise I've made to myself and shall always keep nor be kissed by one. Her voice was tight. And then Fitz tries to correct himself. Like, I'm not drunk. I'm sick. Um, and that ex- surge of excitement trying to take her in his arms made him dizzy and made him sway. Doesn't matter anyway. You're here and safe. We have a situation here where Molly then is like, oh, I see. You're not drunk. Disgust and disbelief mingled with her voice. You're not the scriber's boy either, nor a stable hand. Is lying how you always begin with people? It seems to be how you always end. And from her point of view, it's literally lie after lie after lie being added on because, (laughs) like, oh, new boy is actually, you know, a prince's son. Mm 
Mm-hmm. He's not a scriber's boy. He's not a stable hand. He's been lying to me since we knew each other, uh-huh. you know, for nine years or whatever it's been. Yep. And now I'm here and he's obviously drunk. He smells like wine. He is stumbling around and he says he's not drunk. Mm-hmm. Like, what is going on? Poor Fitz, but also kind of his a taste of his own medicine. Yeah. I don't know. But it's... um. He he tries to verbalize things in this weekend state that he doesn't really know how to verbalize and he doesn't know how much he can tell her. So he's like, I didn't I, I didn't lie. I just didn't tell you quite it's too complicated, Molly. I'm just so glad you're alright and here in Buckkeep. I thought I was gonna have to search. And he's like, I, I'm not drunk, really. I did lie just now because it was embarrassing to admit how weak I am. And she she's like they have this conversation here of like but you're you're the prince's son or is lying permitted you know to a prince's son and not to new boy like why are like you should be embarrassed for this and yeah fitz is like i'm not a prince's son i'm a bastard that's different and yes it was too embarrassing to admit it was nice having a few friends who looked at me and thought new boy instead of the bastard she shoulders him into the door and throws him on his bed basically and Mm -hmm. Um, he tries to stand but has to sit there and can't really move he's putting his hands between his legs to keep them from shaking and he's in a weakened state and and Molly is just glaring at him like this is like a huge betrayal from her point of view because obviously she doesn't know the full situation and Fitz isn't smart the way he handles things anyways or handled this whole relationship to begin with and while the excuse of it was nice to have people who didn't just know me as the bastard is technically a good excuse. I mean, it is fair. Right. Like Nobody wants to just be known as oh, the bastard. Um, I think it doesn't excuse the fact that he had nine years to tell her. And you would think after a certain amount of time, he could realize that they'll still be his friend. Right. And not just. Yeah. I don't know. So it Fitz is a little too damaged, though. Right. Right. <laughs> but I think, like, in this instance, it's fair that Molly, who does not know the whole picture, will never know the whole picture, is angry and isn't going to accept that. Because, right. yeah, sure, like, that's all fine and well, but you didn't trust me enough to tell me anyway. You lied about literally your whole life, and I'm just supposed to be like, oh, well. You just didn't, you wanted to not be the prince for once. Like, because yeah, from her point of view, they're not just friends hanging out, even though Fitz wanted more. She was actually seeing more into that. Like, right. they were seeing each other alone, going on picnics, basically mm-hmm. courting. And she's like, I want to marry this guy. And I think, like, he has the same intentions because he's doing the same things that I am and we're flirting right. all the time. He literally lied to me and I wanted to marry this man about yeah. his whole life. Yeah, and how do I know anything that's true now? How yeah. do you trust somebody who has lied to you the whole time that, that you've known them? Is he just a you know a, a noble who's playing with common women's hearts? Like, mm-hmm. do they do he actually care for me? I'm sure she had conversations with patients about like, no, you can't actually see him. Like, he needs permission from the king. Yeah. Like, you can't marry him. Like, yeah, all those hard conversations that Fitz gets told later. I'm sure they've already talked about that. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, all of this is compounded anger thrown at Fitz. Cause, and Fitz doesn't know where she's coming from. Right. 
because it's, he's unaware. He's really bad at as much as he has a skill that allows him to read people's emotions. Oh he's bad. He's like emotionally stunted when talking to people. It's so odd because he like can tell what they're feeling, but he doesn't have any depth to that. And I don't know that he like really develops that ever. Right. Cause um, he doesn't have to No, in most he just, situations. Yeah. He just knows the feeling so he can just like skirt around it. And I think his simplicity and the way he thinks about things makes him unable to understand why she can't just overlook this. Right. And I think it's just really sad to watch. Um, I literally like wrote in my notes here, fits his brain dead and clueless. <laughs> A little harsh, but like it gets to the heart of it. Right. And I mean, to be fair, he is like trying to hold back a seizure. So right. it's not, he's yeah. not in peak form at the moment. <laughs> no, no. But yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily know that normal fits would be able to handle this any better. So. Oh, no, definitely not. Um, but he decides that, you know, this isn't going the right way. Let me change the subject. Maybe that'll help. <laughs> and he tells Molly about the dream that he had of her. Yep, of Silt Bay. Yeah, that she was in Silt Bay and that um, she was with two two young girls and um, that there was a fire and that she was hurt. But obviously that the dream was wrong because here she is. She must have been here the whole time. Not people can't travel yeah. as you journeyed from <laughs> you know the mountain kingdom took to you several weeks to get here but <sighs> for sure she she just was here the whole time there's no way so well and then molly responds to this and um and answers fitz's question of what you're doing here with a, a voice as tight as fitz's anger made it cold but I thought it was hedged with fear, too. I came looking for a friend. She paused and seemed to strangle for a bit. When she spoke again, her voice was artificially calm, almost kind. And she explains her situation. Her father died. Shop. Like, it's basically what Birik told Fitz and what we knew previously as well. Right. Creditors took the shop from, uh, from her. She went to stay with relatives to help with the harvest to earn money to start again in Silt Bay. Though how you came to know of it, I cannot even guess. I earned a bit, and my cousin was willing to loan me the rest. The harvest had been good. I was willing to come back to Buckkeep, or I was to come to back to Buckkeep the next day. But Silt Bay was raided. I was there with my nieces. That fear in the beginning. Do you think it's fear that she lost her friend Fitz, like that their whole relationship is done? It says, what am I doing here? Her voice was as tight as mine. Anger made it cold, but I thought it was hedged with fear, too. I came looking for a friend. You think it's I... fear of, you know, Fitz asking, what are you doing in Buckkeep? Like, I thought it was more fear of a reminiscent of I'm here because of uh, the raids. Like, there's fear of what had happened, because that would have been really scary. But I could also see it being Definitely. fear of, I thought, at the very least, we were friends, if not going right. to be married at some point. And I don't even know who you are anymore. And I don't even know if that's a thing. Like, I had hoped for this for so long, and now I don't even know what that is anymore. 
Yeah. And so it could also be that fear. So she goes on to explain that, you know, they lost everything. Um, Cousins couldn't even afford to pay her for the work that she had done, let alone loan her money. So she came back to Buckkeep working, you know, on a fishing boat, earned her keep on the way back over, and asked for the scriber's boy. Sent him, sent her to Fedrin. Fedrin sent her to Patience, and Patience hired her on as a lady's maid. She said it was the least she could do after you had shamed me. And Fitz then is like the first time hearing of this. He's mm-hmm. like, shamed you? How? How did, I sh- how did I shame you? She said you had obviously won my affections and then left me. Under my false assumption that you would someday be able to marry me, I'd let you court me. And Fitz didn't, doesn't understand this. We were friends. I, I didn't know you felt any more than that. And Molly raises her chin. You didn't? I knew that gesture. Six years ago, she would have followed it with a punch to my stomach. I still flinched. But she just spoke more quietly when she said, I suppose I should have expected you to say that. It's, as, it's an easy thing to say. Molly really expected Fitz to be emotionally mature right in any in any way honestly well also at the very least she would hope that she wouldn't find him drunkenly going back to his room yeah um which he technically isn't but she doesn't know that and i mean this is a little bit of patience fault i'm gonna say (laughs) because patience is now convinced molly that fitz 100 percent knew what he was doing knew that there was zero percent chance that they could get married (laughs) and that he is running away (laughs) there's no way he's not running away from his responsibilities (sighs) yeah so that's on patience because if she wouldn't have put all that in molly's head i think she would have been a little bit more forgiving here but because patience who is basically fitz's mom is around and saying and she's an adult who has right. been in the court for a long time is saying that something is a way why wouldn't you trust that so this is kind of patience's fault <laughs> <laughs> her oh, jumping yeah. to conclusions but Poor Fitz. i mean it is on Fitz too because oh yeah he allowed 100%. the situation to build for nine years lying to somebody that he cared about um but it is sad that She's taking his response as, oh, sure. Now it's just that you didn't know. Yep. Um, so that you can more easily back away from me and I look like the fool. Whereas he's like, wait, what? You liked me if I would have known that. Like, yeah. I would have kissed you when I had those all those different opportunities. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Whoa, wait. <laughs> and she's like, there were signs in the past that you liked me. <laughs> what signals? So. I mean, I don't know. I feel really, this whole situation is really hard to read. Um, um, yeah, because then Fitz is like, you know, why, why did you go to Jade then? You know, mm-hmm. you're the one who left me with not even a word of farewell. And with that sailor Jade, why didn't you come to me before leaving with him? And I, I guess Fitz is obtuse and we should you know recognize that he is not very smart in these situations Mm -hmm. um 
She has not straight out said it yet, but he does repeat himself later. later. Yes. Um, but I guess that's a reasonable question to ask. Like, right. if you did feel so much for me and you were worried about money, why didn't you come to me beforehand? Mm-hmm. And from her eyes, she's like, yeah, but I don't want to rely on you with no money that I'm in your debt and I want to marry you. I want to bring something to this marriage. I am self-sufficient. I want to bring my livelihood to this marriage so I can contribute. Because what we know about the six duchies is that, yes, there are marriages out of love mm-hmm. and everything like that, but there are also marriages out of, like, we can support each other and right. make our lives easier by being together because we both contribute things. Mm-hmm. And I think that attitude is in a lot of what the six duchies is. Right. Um, it's in a lot of the equality... Um, across both uh genders in the six duchies right leaders can be men or women because necessity there needs Mm -hmm. to be strong people in both roles or in any role or any situation people need to be able to take up any task and be able to complete and do and you know conquer anything because they are self-sufficient they do know what to do in crises they do know what to do in you know any anything like that so Molly, with that attitude growing up, being on her own, having her own shop, taking care of her own father, doesn't want to be that burden on somebody else right. that she wants to enter a relationship with. Right. So she takes it on herself to make her own money. And I mean, to be fair, this is a confusion that like isn't all Fitz's fault. She didn't ever tell him who Jade was. He Jade was around yeah. um, before Fitz saw them walking arm in arm somewhere. Um, yeah, he was and, at that counter, like, talking to Molly in, like, uh, a and, playful tone. Right. And I'm sure, like, because Fitz is jealous, it seemed like it was flirty, but it was actually just cousins who've known each other their whole lives right. talking. Um, and I think maybe if he would have asked, it would have cleared things up. But also... He's way younger than Molly, and this Jade guy is older than her. I like she also should have been a little bit more open with who Jade was. She could have just introduced him as his as her cousin, and maybe she kind of liked the like Fitz doesn't know who this is. Maybe there's a little bit of jealousy, or maybe not. Maybe she just didn't think about it because why would she be talking to anybody else, right? Um, if she was courting Fitz, which Fitz didn't realize that they were doing, so. <laughs> I don't know. It's I'm not trying to put blame on Molly um, because ultimately Fitz is in the wrong here. <laughs> but she did. To be fair to Fitz, she did not disclose who this person right. was to her yeah. at any point. So there was misunderstanding on her end as well. I lost everything. Should I have come to you as a beggar hoping you'd take me in? I thought that you cared about me. I believe that you wanted. Hell damn you. Why do I have to admit this to you? Her words rattled against me like flung stones. I knew her eyes were blazing, her cheeks flushed. And it's, I knew her eyes were blazing was because Fitz can't actually, like, see her right now. His vision is so blurry. I thought you did want to marry me, that you did want a future with me. I wanted to bring something to it, not come to you penniless and prospectless. I'd imagined us with a little shop, me with my candles and herbs and honey, and you with your scriber's skills. And so I went to my cousin to ask to borrow money. He had none to spare, but arranged for my passage to Silt Bay to talk to his elder brother, Flint. 
Told you how that ended. I worked my way back here in a fishing boat, new boy, gutting fish and putting them down in salt. I came back to Buckkeep like a beaten dog, and I swallowed my pride and came up here that day and found out how stupid I was, how you'd pretended and lied to me. You are a bastard, new boy. You are. For a moment, I listened to an odd sound, trying to comprehend what it was. Then I knew. She was crying in little catches of her breath. As stupidly as any drunk, I repeated, Well, what about Jade, then? Why did you find it so easy to go to him? Why didn't you come to me first? I told you, he's my cousin, you moron. Yes, girl. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> when you're in trouble, you turn to your family. I asked him for help, and he took me to his family's farm to help out with the harvest. A moment of silence, then incredulously... What did you think, that I was the type of woman who could have another man on the side? Icily, that I would let you court me and be seeing someone else? No, I, I didn't say that. Of course you would, she said as if it all suddenly made sense. You're like my father. He always believed I lied because he told so many lies himself. Just like you. Oh, I'm not drunk. When you stink of it and you can barely stand, and your stupid story, I dreamed of you at Silt Bay. Everyone in town knew I went to Silt Bay. You probably heard the sto whole story tonight while you were sitting in some tavern. No, I didn't, Molly. You have to believe me. No, I don't. I don't have to believe anyone anymore. She paused as if considering something. And she tells a little story here of when she was a really little girl before she even met Fitz. Mm -hmm. About how... Her father wouldn't let her have any money to go to Springfest, and she snuck out and was watching a fortune teller and wanted to get her fortune taken, but uh, he, she had no money. And one of the neighboring people laughed and said, she doesn't need her fortune told. Everyone knew her fortune already. She was the daughter of a drunk. She'd be the wife of a drunk and the mother of drunks. She whispered, Everyone started laughing, even the old man. I still don't have a penny, she said slowly, but at least I know I won't be the wife of a drunk. I don't think I even want to be friends with one. And Fitz is just trying to, you know, stop this onslaught of like, no, this is a misunderstanding. You know, mm. you, you have to listen to me. You're not being fair. My traitorous tongue slurred my words. The door slammed. I didn't know you liked me that way, I said stupidly to the cold and empty room. I think the line where Molly says, I won't be the wife of a drunk, but I don't think I even want to be friends with one, kind of shows that she had a little bit of hope that maybe there was misunderstanding. Yeah. Maybe he didn't know. He truly didn't know she liked him or he didn't know that he couldn't marry her before and he just didn't know how to tell her and at least they could be friends and they would work together and there could be something salvaged of this relationship um but now his stupidity of mm -hmm. like but jade yeah but what about jade i'm totally not drunk even though i smell like wine which is sad because he really isn't <laughs> i know but yeah and I do also feel bad because, like, he was super sick and, ha like, was actually fighting for his life this whole time, and yeah. nobody believes it. I know. <laughs> Poor Fit. Like, and he oh, can't really, like, tell anyone either. No, he can't be like, well, Regal tried to poison me, so. 
I couldn't come back right away. I'm sorry. My uncle tried to kill me a couple times. Almost succeeded. You know. I have really bad seizures now, which I'm about to have. And he's shaking here, and he's he says, I wasn't going to lose her that easily. And he, he rose and managed two strides before the floor rocked beneath me, and I went to my knees. I remained there for a bit, head hanging like a dog. I didn't think she'd be impressed if I crawled after her. She'd probably kick me, if I could even find her. This is the second time. So earlier before, we didn't read it exactly, but... Fitz stays on the bed instead of going to comfort Molly while he's while she's crying because he's afraid that he can't walk to her um, or that even if he did get over there, she wouldn't want him. And I think this shows his lack of doing something hindering him. Yeah. He just assumes he knows the outcome yeah. and maybe that would be the outcome, but wouldn't it be better to try to show that you want to do that, that you want to be there to comfort her. And maybe she's waiting in the hall to see if he will come after her. And even if he was crawling, at least that's better than not going after her. And maybe that's just me as someone who would like want somebody to show like in this instance of you've lied to me, our whole relationship. I have no idea who you are. I don't even know if you like me or what's going on anymore. And now you're drunk and trying to convince me that like it's all a misunderstanding like i would want some sort of verification of like no this person does care like maybe what their words are saying don't make sense right now but like his actions are speaking louder than words and his actions of not following her even though i know like we know he's trying to fight back these tremors she doesn't know that. And so maybe if he did like fall and like have a seizure in front of her, she would understand like (laughs) as awful as that sounds, I don't want him to have a seizure, but like he's just not even trying to go for her. And I feel like that's also hurting this. Yeah, it is. But I also feel like if he, if he tried to comfort while crying and then stumbled, like she would get mad anyways. Cause like he's drunk. Like I don't want to, but at least he tried. That's true. Instead of not doing anything, he lets so many opportunities pass him by because he would rather, not fail then he would rather do nothing than try and fail and i feel like that's a really sad shortcoming of fitz's because if he would try more things it wouldn't be as bad as he thinks i think maybe not i don't know but he crawls back to his bed instead of crawling after molly Mm -hmm. and sits and lays there He thinks what a stupid boy he had been last summer. I had courted a woman, thinking that I was walking out with a girl. Those three years' difference in age had mattered so much to me, but in all the wrong ways. I had thought she had seen me as a boy and despaired of winning her, so I had acted like a boy instead of trying to make her see me as a man. And the boy had hurt her, and yes, deceived her, and in all likelihood, lost her forever. The dark closed down, blackness everywhere, but for one whirling spark. She had loved the boy, and foreseen a life together for us. I clung to the spark and sank into sleep. He still has hope. A little, yeah. That he can, you know, make it right. Mm -hmm. That he can convince her that, like, yes, it was a misunderstanding. 
I do love you too. Mm-hmm. But he's pretty depressed at the moment. Yeah, he's got a, a long way to go to fix that relationship. Although, yeah, he's got like half a book. <laughs> True. Um, but he does have patience on his side again, I think, mostly. I think she knows now that he was actually sick and something happened. Right, yeah. Um, Although, like, she doesn't really forgive him for, like, the courting no. without... <laughs> I don't Which, know. why would he know the rules? Why, like, what of her knowledge of him makes her think, yeah, he for sure knows he cannot court anybody and he's doing it anyway. Like, what I a jerk. I feel like Fitz should know that. Fair. You know? That's, you <laughs> like, know, that's very, that's very fair. He's um. 15. He's been around the nobles for a while. He's been trained by Chade. He's been trained by Patience. He's been fair. brushed up on manners by Burek. Right. But nobody ever talks about girls with him. That's true. So... I don't, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like he should know that, or at least if he thought critically about it the way that Shade would make him do it, mm-hmm. he would see that, oh, yes, the king does have to approve of these. People can't be marrying willy-nilly around if they're related to him. Right. <laughs> oh, Fitz. Well, he's uh, he's definitely... Um, you know, in in a rougher spot, if that could be imagined, than he was <laughs> last chapter. Right. He's way weaker because mm-hmm. he exerted himself so much emotionally. True. There's, you know, hopefully more of a plan in place in the future for Regal between him and Verity. Verity seemed to, you know, want to take it on together. Right. He, he lumped them in. You know, let's let's be care. We'll have to be careful. We too, huh? Mm-hmm. You know. But besides that, you know, and besides patients missing him and him being back in a familiar, comfortable place, not many things went his way. No, no, not really. (laughs) Everything kind of spiraled out of his control and really went south. To be fair, Molly's alive. Yeah, that's true. And now he knows that she liked him. (laughs) (laughs) Looking on the bright side. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> All Fitz is hearing. Wait, we have a cottage together in the future? <laughs> Sick. <laughs> nice. See, wait, what, what's the other part? Oh, you hate me now. Right, okay. <laughs> that can be fixed. That's fine. But, yeah, so there are some good things. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> Guess we'll have to see. Oh, yeah. Who knows what will happen next. Join okay. us next time. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for listening and tuning in to this week's episode. Um, let us know what you think, mm-hmm. what, you're, what you're feeling about this situation, how you think about um, how different people acted, if it is all Patience's fault. <laughs> I don't want to say that. <laughs> I love Patience, but... It, you it know, she is. holds a little bit of blame, but the majority goes on Fitz and the yes, handling. It is, but. It's still Fitz's fault, but like Patience did not help. <laughs> We are at isfitshappy at all the social medias or isfitshappy at gmail.com if you can email us directly. We'll see you next week. Okay, so now we're going to talk a little bit about what you guys have talked to us about. Um, We're going to start with an Instagram message we got from um, Curse and Vu. (laughs) 
I'm sorry if I butchered that. Um, but they let us know that they think that the guards could recognize a city before yeah. Fitz. Speaking of um, when Blade... When Fitz thought Blade recognized Sooty before he recognized how emaciated and who Fitz was because he had grown and changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were letting us know that just like we now recognize certain people's cars, they would likely be able to do the same with horses. And horses, especially the kind in the castle stables, were very valuable. So the guards should check whether those horses were leaving with the right people. Sooty also has a remarkable coloring being a dappled gray. So... They let us know that, which is really awesome because something I never would have thought about. Um, and I thought yeah. that's a really cool perspective to bring to others, just in case there are other people saying, there's no way he recognized the horse. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah especially if, if Sudi is, you know, remar- remarkable coloring um, and different, it'd probably be a recognizable. And since horses are incredibly valuable mm-hmm. um, and very expensive, I'm sure the guards are yeah. <laughs> well-versed in the stables and and with Beric in general so i'm it's sure like, they know what's going on it's like a real mustang oh my gosh <laughs> it's a type of car for uh, uh-huh. those of you who did not get the joke i'll lovingly explain it <laughs> thank you, you so you much for explaining see that luke's face Ooh, the look of just disgust of pride of pride <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, The second thing we have is a comment on uh, chapter one on Facebook uh, that we released. So episode 27. Joel was mentioning that it is a very grim chapter, but it's very vital for humanizing Shrewd and explaining the fool's abilities. So um, first of all, humanizing Shrewd is very important because... Especially you had issues yes. with Shrewd a lot. Well, basically, and we ended with him willingly yeah. sending his grandson I off mean, to slaughter. All through the first book, he is that distant king that is described as using tools on mm-hmm. a game board and mm-hmm. you know discarding things away. And he wouldn't hesitate to throw me or you, talk, speaking yeah. of Chade, um, away and for the betterment of this yeah. kingdom. So it's good to humanize him a little yeah. he's not some awful monster most of the time well, if you could see uh emma's face right there <laughs> rolling her eyes and flipping her hair <laughs> i i admit that he's not as bad as i make him out to be most of the time um but also explaining the fool's abilities i, I know we touched on it briefly that um the fool that was the first time that we like got an in-depth look at the fool mm-hmm. and what he could do and that Fitz realized that he could actually like tell the future kind of thing. Right. Um, and it, it is very important to give a frame of reference to the reader the first time around. Like, hey, the fool has supernatural abilities. It's not just a riddle that turned <laughs> out to be kind of cool. Uh-huh. It's an actual like, instead of being mysterious, it's an actual confirmed he can look at what's happening right now and what's happening in the future. Right. And it all comes out in riddles. Yeah. It's not just him being difficult. It all comes out in riddles. He doesn't like doing it because he was looking at a lot of suffering at the moment. Mm -hmm. And also he, he doesn't know exact details all the time and he can't look at specific things. Like it, it shows us a little bit of his limitations as well, which is also very important 
Because if you're presented as a reader with like, yeah, this guy can just see all the futures, you're like, why, why isn't this solve everything? Yeah, you know, like, he has all the why answers. Not? <laughs> <laughs> He's not oh. Alice from Twilight. He doesn't <laughs> can't see every future. <laughs> so yeah, it is very it's very important story wise for both of those things that Joel points it pointed out, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's really good to first of all humanize shrewd because we have to feel sorry for shrewd and feel that concern for him later on as he's getting drained and getting sick mm-hmm. and that fitz is concerned about that yeah so we have to feel that emotion through fitz as well right you and know. i i think also it's just been hard because we're being told the whole first book that shrewd is a good king through right. fitz and other characters but we don't necessarily see it we all we see the bad sides of uh-huh. being a king and i think sometimes writers will like lean on the crutch of telling instead of showing um so it's really nice that robin hobb is using a chapter to really show that he's actually a good king and he does care about his people it's not just something that we're told last book now we have real concrete evidence that he does care about the outcomes of his chess matches (laughs) yeah exactly i think it's really important and it does show uh robin hobb's greatness in her writing so (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh thank you so much for commenting on those episodes um like we mentioned earlier in the episode if you if you have anything else to say please feel free to reach out and we're looking looking forward to hearing from you yes